Welcome to the very first podcast I've ever done. This is Robin Stoloff for Living Well with Robin Stoloff. If you do not know me, I have been doing this for many, many years, longer than I'd like to admit, helping people to learn about health, fitness, and just basically how to live a better life. I was on uh, NBC 40, a local station in Atlantic City for, I hate to say it, 29 years. And they unfortunately went off the air in 2015. And I've been doing what I love to do on radio. And now I've decided to do a podcast because on the radio, I feel like you just can't give it enough time. I want to delve a little deeper with people. So my very first guest, I'm so excited. I was a guest on her podcast just this week. So now we're flipping the table that I get to ask her questions. Nicole Simonin, since 2006, Nicole has been helping women lose weight for the last time. We love that. Nicole is an ACE personal trainer, ACE health coach, host of Shape It Up Over 40 podcast, founder of Shape It Up, author of the No Fuss, No Mess Shape It Up cookbook, which I have, it's great, licensed physical therapist assistant, and former professional ballet dancer. Nicole has been featured in Rachel Ray in Season, Bicycling Magazine, Real Simple, and MSN. So Nicole, welcome to the very first podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Yay, I am so excited to be here, Robin. I am so thrilled that you're starting a podcast. You have inspired me because I did uh, an interview with you on my radio program, and we were talking about it, and you said, you just have to pick a date. Just get started. And I thought, (laughs) oh, I don't want to have to obligate myself to that. But I did because in life, sometimes we just have to jump in with both feet, you know, and just go for it. So hopefully this all comes out and the audio is right and all that. I have all this equipment that I don't know how to use, (laughs) but I'm learning. So, Nicole, you have such an interesting story. You had something very traumatic happen to you when you were younger. Please share it with us. Yeah, so when I was 17, I, um, at the time, I was very involved in ballet, and I had done ballet since I was four, and um, I, the ballet company that I was with, they were one of the companies that was like, you show up no matter what. Like, your leg could be dangling by a thread, you better be there, you know, <laughs> unless you're going to the hospital, you're showing up, and the day I woke up, we were supposed to go to New York City to go get costumes made for a piece that I was in. And when I woke up in the morning, I actually was staying at my brother's house because it was close to the dance studio um, because I knew I had to wake up early. And I could not move. I couldn't get out of bed. I just remember feeling like cement block being on top of me. Um, This, of course, was way back when, when there were no cell phones, (laughs) and I remember trying to reach over to pick up the phone and dial the, it was a push button, and dial the phone, (laughs) and um, I just had such a hard time, like, just, I didn't know what was wrong with me, Um, and then three days later, I wound up in the hospital, so obviously, I did not make it to New York City, but, um, so I wound up in the hospital, and they, the local hospital, they didn't really know what was going on, I had trouble walking. I could not get out of bed by myself. Uh, I couldn't even squeeze toothpaste out oh, to brush my teeth. How scary. It was, yeah. And I think being 17 at the time, I never realized the magnitude of it. But I do remember my mom saying to people that were visiting me before they would come in. She told me this later. She's like, do not cry in front of her. Don't, like, basically don't let me see how bad it is. 
Mm-hmm. I was at the hospital for um, a while, and they didn't know what was going on, so they sent me to Children's Hospital in Philly, and they also had no idea what was going on. Um, and it was one dose of um, steroids they gave me, and all of a sudden I kind of had popped up, and I was able to do things. So they discharged me from the hospital still not knowing what was going on. And all through that time, I the doctor basically told my mom that I would probably be blind and I wouldn't be able to walk. Oh, my God. Then, yeah, the interesting part, though, is, is at the same time I was in the hospital, my father was skiing in Vermont, and he fell and broke his hip, and he was getting surgery. <sighs> and my mom did not want to tell him that I was in the hospital until I came home. So I can only imagine what she went through. Oh, that's just too much for one person. Right. And plus, yeah, and I'm not an only child. So we have, I have three other siblings. So I can only imagine. I'm the youngest of uh, four. So uh, about six months later or so, I finally got the final symptom of what I had. And I was diagnosed with um, reactive juvenile rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis. And the type of arthritis that I have basically is if I get a bacterial infection or something or if I get sick, it triggers the rheumatoid arthritis. So that's why it was such a blown up episode. And a couple months later, though, I was actually dancing at Radford University on scholarship. So it was probably, yeah, it was probably a total of nine months that I was um, really kind of down and out as far as physically, but looking back on it, I just remember the funny times, ironically to say that, but I remember um, joking with my mom being in the wheelchair because I couldn't walk. I, I was afraid she was going to chop off my feet because she kept running into the the doorways of the hospital. <laughs> like, and when you're young dancer, like that, you can joke a little bit, you know, about it. Right. Yeah, there were definitely some instances, like, I remember being in Children's Hospital and playing with the monitor. Like, I would hold my breath, and the line, you know, how it registers your heart rate and all that. Well, it would drop and start beeping, and then I would breathe again. And I remember the nurses coming in, and I guess at some point they probably were like, okay, she's just playing. She's not actually dying. Did you, <laughs> you please know? stop doing that? That's right, right. <laughs> and, and God forbid, if you did stop breathing, they might not have come in. Who knows? Right. Yeah, yeah. Crying wolf, I guess. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I my lesson. <laughs> well, when you look back on that time, you went through college, and then you became a professional ballet dancer. So that's incredible. But when you look back on it, how has it affected you today? It's interesting because when I look back on it, I, I, it was just like a blip in my life. So I didn't really give it a lot of, I guess, clout. Like, and I think that comes from just being young and my personality. I was very, I'm very like, when I focused on one thing that I want and I wanted to become a professional ballet dancer, like nothing is going to stop me type mm. focus. And I think that was definitely apparent just being younger. Like I, I just, I never thought twice about the doctor saying I would be blind or, or, um, not be able to walk. Like I remember my mom saying she came in one day and I would look, I had a book in front of me and I was running my finger over the book and she was like, what are you doing? And I said, well, if I'm going to be blind, I better learn how to read braille. And the funny thing is, is it was a regular book. It wasn't even a braille book. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you were going to do that, but okay. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> but I do think that um, 
through my dance career, I, I don't think the best nutritional advice was given. Not that that was anyone's fault because that's just how it's passed down through the years in the ballet world. But now that I am a personal trainer, a health coach, uh, fitness coach, I understand looking back like, you know, I probably didn't have the best nutritional habits, but I think part of what helped me with the arthritis is keeping my weight down mm-hmm. and staying active. There were times, um, like I noticed now, like if I eat too much sugar or sodium, I definitely have like minimal flare-ups, but they're not anything what I experienced when I was in the hospital. So it's amazing how as, nutrition plays such a huge role in our overall yeah. health, and yet for whatever reason, there's some kind of disconnect that many people just kind of eat whatever, and then they may get sick and they say, oh, wow, could this be because of my diet? And yes, it could be because of your diet. So there's we have such control over that, and yet sometimes we just don't see it because we like to eat. Let's face it. We love to eat. Yeah. <laughs> Eating's fun. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the important aspects of what I do now is so one of the things that I uh, teach clients when they come to me is that no foods are off limits. Sure. And I have my reasons behind that. Yes, there are better quality of foods that we could for sure be eating. But the problem comes in and, and you know, I know you grew up in this generation too that I did. Like, you basically were taught to starve yourself and do tons and tons of cardio. And mm-hmm. you eat like a bird, you know. You yes. eat your banana, your yogurt, your, um, you know, little crackers or whatever and that's not necessarily a a good route but I think the mindset part comes in that if you restrict or if I tell somebody you know you can never have chocolate again the first thing they're going to do they might do it for a week but then they're going to just search out chocolate in every avenue and eat it all isn't it human nature you want what you can't yeah yes yeah yeah and if you really desire the results that you want, like there are a lot of people that come to me and they're like, you know, I want to lose weight. And people say that a lot, but are your actions following up what you say you want? Because if you, you, wherever you are right now is the result of what you're doing. And if you say you want to lose weight, then why are you not taking the steps? And whether that's hiring a coach or whether that's just walking a little bit more each day, you know, doesn't have to be this huge, big thing. I know we talked about that, just doing like small improvements each day. But I feel like the mindset part is is the biggest missing piece out of this whole fitness nutrition aspect. We have so much at our fingertips with the internet. We can find the information. It's there. But it's just making that step and doing it. My husband always says, everyone wants to be in shape, but no one wants to work for it. They just want to snap <laughs> right, their fingers right. and have it. And it just doesn't right. work that way. I mean, everything in life, you have to make a commitment to it. And you've got to, you've got to make an effort. But in the long yeah. run, it's certainly worth it. So tell us what you do with your clients and, and how your business actually works. Well, I started um, Shape It Up. It's kind of evolved over the years. But right now, I am doing online coaching. And basically, it's kind of like what we just said. I teach clients. Like, they come to me and they say, you know, we all know how we're supposed to be moving more and eating less. But why aren't you doing it? So what I like to do is I like to meet the client where they're at. So whatever they are currently doing is where we're going to start. So I know a lot of people ask me when they start, like, are we going to be lifting heavy dumbbells? I'm like, well, do you have dumbbells? Like, is that something you want to do? So I just really approach everything when the client comes to me that it's all customized. It's all tailored to what you want. 
this is why I have a um, an issue with like generic workout programs. I think they're good for certain people, but the people that have been doing generic workouts or using generic diets and they're not seeing the results they want, they need somebody to help them. They need something customized for them. And so that's where I step in and we work on nutrition, fitness and mindset, most importantly. Absolutely. And you know what else is great? You're accountable to someone we just started yeah. a group uh, with uh, girls that I play tennis with. We're not playing now because of COVID. Hopefully we will again mm-hmm. soon. But our whole group started this thing online where we check in with each other and say what workouts we're doing every day or every other day, however often. But we're trying to have other people to be accountable. And we're taking photos or video of each other doing our workouts because you kind of need that. You need somebody to say, come on, you can do it every now and then. I agree with that 100%, but I also think, like, where is it that we need to honor our own commitments to ourselves? Like, where is that line? You know, mm-hmm. it's. I think it's great to have accountability, and I think it's great to have a coach who is helping you, but at the same time, you at some point are going to be by yourself. Yes, <laughs> so, we've been by ourselves a lot point, lately, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, how are you honoring your commitment to yourself? How are you honoring what you say you want to get? Yes. Well, they also talk about the fact that people are gain, gained weight over this COVID because everybody's mm. home and everybody's eating. But if you look at on the flip side, it would have been a great opportunity to try to lose some weight. You have more time to work out. You have right. you're not going out to dinner. You're not being, right. you know, let's go to lunch with the gang or you're in your office where there's donuts out or whatever. You actually have more control. It's just a matter of grabbing it and taking that control. And that's where yeah. I think you come in because you're able to help people, as you said, get their mind set, get their mind right, <laughs> as they said in right. Luke. <laughs> yeah. yeah, one of the things I tell people, too, is, is like if you're eating when your stomach is not growling, you're eating for emotional reasons. Like there's, there's a reason why our body is set up the way it is. You know, your stomach growls when you're hungry, you feed it. You feed it to a certain point, and then it goes along its way. If you're eating when your stomach is not growling, then you need something, and that's why you're grabbing food. So whether it's COVID and you're stressed out and, mm-hmm. you know, I know a lot of people were thrown into becoming a homeschooling teacher <laughs> and still having to deal with their jobs yeah. and stuff like that, and I and the stress level, yes. I guess. The stress um, eating is incredible, but let's face it. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm Italian. We eat for everything. We eat when we're happy. We eat when we're sad. We eat, just come on over, have food. My mother always made more food than anybody could finish. There, there was never, you could never see the bottom of a pot. It was just always enough food for all of us. It was just a big deal in our family. And I grew up with that whole eat, 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 manja, manja, manja. And many of us have learned that. Kid, come on, let's go out for ice cream. It's a big event. But then people, when they're sad or bored, they, they open the cabinet yeah. and they look for something to fill that. And it's just, yeah. it's it's unfortunate that that has become such a part of our lives. Let's face it, it's fun to go out to eat. I miss going out to dinner. We love that. But you have to balance it. You got it. There's a point where you can say, I'm going to go out tonight, but the next few days I'm going to eat a little healthier. I'm going to tighten it up a bit. If you can balance it, it's it's so much easier. But when you go off the deep end and just say, oh, forget it. I blew it already. That's when people, I yeah. think, get into trouble. Yeah. And I think with the abundance of food that's available now, like 
maybe not right now because of COVID, but just the fact that, I mean, you, we have an app that you can just move your finger and food appears in, you know, however long it takes DoorDash to get to you. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and you have your choices. It's not like, I mean, even if you look back at the 80s and 90s, I mean, we, there was not Starbucks on every corner. How I grew up, too, it was a big deal when you went out to eat. Like, now everybody goes out to eat just to go out to eat. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just think, you know, everything has changed and the abundance um, uh-huh. is so available now. It's, yeah. You know, it really hit me how much we have when I went to the supermarket and I saw the meat shelves were empty. And the, mm-hmm. the the cleaning supplies, forget it, and toilet paper <laughs> at first. Now right. it's getting better. But I was just like, wow, I have never seen empty shelves in a supermarket. And that is our country. We have abundance of everything. And sometimes it's almost, in a way, too much, too many choices. Right. So uh, let me ask you this, too, because a lot of people will say, I want to lose weight, so they join a gym. They start working out, which is so important, absolutely. But how much of it do you think is diet? compared to the exercise portion? I, I, I have to go back to mindset. Mindset is key. Like mindset, you need to have like 80%, I would say. <laughs> and then nutrition, or maybe not 80%, maybe 70%. And then 20% nutrition and then the rest is weight training and fitness and stuff like that. Because it also depends on what you want to look like. If you're just looking at scale weight, that's calories in versus calories out. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for to build some muscle, which I highly recommend because as we get older, you need to have Mm -hmm. that muscle because, you know, it's declining and, um, you know, opening those spaghetti jars when we're 90 type thing. (laughs) But I think that if you don't have your mind in the right spot, it's just that I feel like is so key. But nutrition is definitely part of it. You see that in gyms now, too. I know the gym that I where I used to teach, it's closed right now, but when it opens <laughs> again, they are really big now on helping their members with the nutrition side of things because they want them to get mm. results. They don't want them to quit right. the gym. And if you're just there right. every day on the elliptical or the treadmill, that's great. You're helping your heart, your lungs. and But if you really want to change your body and lose weight and get yourself in great shape, you need more than that. You need right. to change your nutrition. And as you said, you need to do some sort of resistance training for your, mm-hmm. when you add muscle to your body, you in, increase your metabolic rate. And that helps. That really right. helps you. Yeah. You know, so it's just, it's the whole package. So how do you get your clients? You've, you've had such great success with your clients. How do you get them to change their mindset? It is, it's just interesting when you look at things a different way or you notice that the thoughts that keep coming out of your mouth or the things that you keep saying all the time. Like, for instance, um, you know, a, a lot of people are like, well, I just can't lose weight. You know, it's genetically impossible for me because mom is this way or grandma was this way. And if you keep saying that over and over to yourself, you're going to believe it. Sure. Like, some people actually think it's a 100% fact that they can't lose weight, regardless of whether there's anything medically, like if they have a clean bill of health, and they feel like they're doing everything right. There's some people that they are just stuck in the mindset of, I will prophecy. never lose. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's so true. And Yeah. And so that's where I feel like, again, is the most important part is once you kind of see the things that you're doing or like the thoughts that you're thinking and how you feel about what you're thinking about, that's where you're taking action from. So like, we never do anything without thinking about it. 
so if you're thinking you hate working out, you're going to hate working out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there's a whole like cycle through it. Like you can force yourself to work out, but that's not going to last. Sure, like, sure. You've got you to try to find, there's yourself. a million things you can do. So find something you like. Right. There's so many different things you could do. And, you know, I do right. have to say this, though. When I was younger, it was much easier for me. I could diet for two weeks and lose five pounds. Boom, right there. Your metabolism does change as you get older. It It is a little more difficult. So that's another mindset thing. And it took me a while to realize that, that if I want to try to drop a few pounds, you know, tighten up a little bit for summer, it might not be two weeks. It might be three months. And those extra five pounds have been there longer than two weeks. So it's going to take a little bit, you know, you didn't gain it in two weeks. You're not going to lose it in two weeks, but it was easier younger. So that is, I just want to put that little caveat in there. And that's why it's great because you're focusing on people who are over 40. And that really, mm-hmm. you speak to them because you're in that age group as well. And so am I. <laughs> I am way into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm way over that. I'm teetering into the next decade. Yes, almost, so. yes. <laughs> but it's, it's good because you understand that. So just quickly, we're wrapping everything up. But how have you been doing? You have two kids. You've been home with them. How has, have things been for you during COVID? I've actually been doing okay. Like, the thought of COVID being out there, yes, I'm I, I'm not the type of person that I guess dwells on the negative. I just kind of like, okay, this is happening. What can I do about it? Like I just deal with what I can control. And I have yes, I have two kids. I have they're both teenagers, and so they're very self sufficient in their schoolwork, mm-hmm. which I am very grateful for. Oh. <laughs> so, oh, you, God bless not, you, because I've had I to know, do math have, with my daughter. It's not fun. <laughs> but um I've really been taking this time to really work on my business and work on my mindset of certain certain things that I'm going through as well and um it's amazing how many shifts and and I feel like I've had some breakthroughs and I feel like this has been a very productive time being at the house and so, it's all become more introspective, I believe, because people listening, and if you're like I am, and like many of us are, you're moving at a very fast pace. You're going to work, you're your kids, yeah. you're driving, yeah. you're this, you're all over the place. And wow, just to be in your home for an extended <laughs> period of time is incredible. And it makes you stop yeah. and just stop and think. And, and I, for me, I've appreciated things more. My kids, my family, the true meaning of things. Yeah, I find, too, uh, my kids are very involved in soccer. Like, at one point, my daughter was playing three different teams, and my son was on. Yeah. And so our weekends are shot. Like, we literally are gone, and we've been home, which has been nice. nice. (laughs) Not having to sit out in the rain. and Not that I don't love watching my kids play, but it's kind of been a little bit refreshing to take a break on that as well. You don't realize how much of your time is filled up with those kinds of things. And it's great. I mean, we want our kids involved, of course, but my son was home from college. I had a chance to be with him more. So, you know, it's a horrible situation right now for so many reasons. But if you do look at the glass half full, there are some positives that can come from it. So I'm glad that you're seeing that you're not really able to have people at your home right now, but you've turned it into a more online type of training for people. Yeah. Originally, uh, in 2006, I actually started online, which the technology was horrible back then. And then my business transitioned to boot camps and then in-person clients. Um, and then I was like, you know what, I'm going to go back to online because I had had some people approach me. Like, so I have clients in Alabama and out in the Midwest. And I was like, this is the perfect opportunity because technology is so much better 
So, yeah, I train people all in the United States. Well, where can people reach you, Nicole? Uh, they can find me at shapeitupfitness.com. Also, you're on Facebook and social media. Yes. Um, I am mainly on LinkedIn right now. I do pop on to Facebook. Uh, I do uh, Instagram as well, Pinterest. Nicole mm-hmm. Simone, and thank you so much. And thank you for getting me to commit to doing my very first podcast and being my first guest. I really enjoyed thank this. It's, a, it's so much fun. I'd like to start to possibly do video as you do. But there is something about this. You can do it in your sweatpants and your, you don't have to do makeup <laughs> and hair. <laughs> kind of like the audio part of it, uh, you know, but uh, but it yeah. is kind of well, cool. Thank to you have the so video. much for having me on. Uh, I, I'm can't wait to see how your podcast Oh, podcast well, thank you. Itself. And I returned the tables. You were interviewing me. I'm interviewing you. So thank you again for helping me. Well, I think women need to help each other. So it's a, it's a great thing that, you, that you're doing. And you're helping others with their fitness and with their health. It's not just about losing weight. It's about overall health. So thank you again, right. Nicole Simonin. We appreciate it. And thank you all for tuning in. The very first podcast for Living Well with Robin Stoloff. We'll be doing them every week. So until we meet again, please keep living well.